Warning, Wicked Wanderers is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, welcome to Wicked Wanderers. I'm your Wicked hostess, Jacqueline. I hope everybody had an amazing weekend and went on a adventure. Not too much is going on over here. I need to get ready and packing. We're going on a cruise at the end of this month. And of course, every single true crime podcast I listen to or show I watch has gone over a cruise ship sinking or a murder on a cruise ship or somebody's gone missing. So that's always great since this is my first cruise, but I think that we're going to have fun. If you are new to this podcast, we travel to a different destination. I discuss a haunted place, some dark tourism, as well as some fun and unique things to do while we are there. So pack your bags. We're going to Maine. Welcome to Vacation Land. Maine is the easternmost state in the New England region of the northeastern United States, bordered by New York and the Canadian provinces of New Brunswick and Quebec. It is the largest state by total area in New England, known for its jagged, rocky coastline, low rolling mountains, charming towns, maple syrup, blueberries, amazing fresh seafood, and of course, the man Stephen King. I grew up spending most of my summers in Maine, and it is truly an amazing place. If you have never been to Maine, I highly recommend going, especially if you enjoy being outdoors. Before we get to our first destination, here are some fun facts and strange laws in Maine. It is illegal to step out of an airplane once it's in flight. I would hope so. And if that's not a law everywhere, it should be. You will be fined if your holiday lights are left up any later than January 14th. They don't want to see your Christmas shit. Christmas is over. Halloween's the best holiday anyways. Maine has the cheapest insurance. In Rumford, it's illegal to bite your landlord. It is illegal to keep an armadillo as a pet. In Waterville, it's illegal to blow your nose in public. In Portland, you better not use a feather duster to tickle under the chin of a woman. That is very specific. Parts of the original Pet Cemetery is filmed in Maine. It is the closest state to Africa. The giant boot 
outside of L.L. Bean in Freeport has an actual shoe size of 410. It would take you over nine years to visit all of Maine's islands. Maine's coldest day was negative 50 in January of 2009. I would freeze to death and die. I grew up up north, but have been down south for a very long time. I don't do cold anymore. No, I'm good. Before he was America's best-known horror writer, Stephen King was actually a teacher in Maine. And Maine has the highest moose population. Our first destination is the Chapman Inn in Bethel, Maine. The Chapman Inn is located precisely on the Bethel Common. And it is one of the oldest buildings in Bethel. It was built in 1865 by a retired sea captain. It would then be purchased by one of Bethel's most famous citizens, Dr. William Rogers Chapman. Dr. Chapman was a 19th century organist, composer, and conductor who founded the Rubenstein Club and Metropolitan Musical Society of New York City. His father died before he was born in 1855. William's mother, Emily Irene Bishop, who used to sing duets with the famed Swedish opera singer Jerry Lynn, was raising William. At the age of 14, William suffered from an unexplained eyesight failure and was declared that there would be no remedy for his cure. But in an effort to regain his eyesight, William stayed in a darkened room never seeing a single ray of light for 15 months. During this time in the darkness, William fell in love with music. And when he finally emerged from the room, he had eyesight. And with his eyesight, his life went in a direction that would make him become a musician. William Chapman founded the Maine Music Festival, and everybody loves the music festival. It had a series of grand concerts that were held throughout the state starting in 1898. I wonder how people in the 1800s did music festivals. Did like somebody show an ankle? Was that risque? Probably. Unlike now where everybody's just wearing pasties running around naked. But anywho, because of Mr. Chapman... Bethel got an opera house that still exists today. And in June 1926, the University of Maine gave him an honorary degree of Doctor of Music, the first time the degree had ever been given by a university to any musician. So he was a big deal. But he also had a very sick daughter named Abigail. Prior to her death, he hired a caregiver for his daughter, who was essentially her only and best friend. Abigail's caregiver was her only social outlet. So sad, that poor girl. And she lived a short life. She died at the age of 16 and never left the house in Maine. 
It was said that Abigail's companion, caregiver, could have been William's mistress. William died shortly after Abigail in 1927. And while his wife and children got his fortune because he was loaded, Abigail's caregiver was given the house and a trust to live there until she passes away or chooses to leave. That's kind of really nice. The caregiver died in the home in 1957. After her death, the home would change hands and get renovations. Of course, spirits don't like renovations. And this house would eventually turn into a bed and breakfast. Throughout the years, there have been lots of paranormal activity. Investigators say that there are two spirits, both women who inhabit the house, most likely Abigail and her caretaker. They are still together, even in the afterlife. Guests and employees report hearing footsteps without anybody being there, female voices coming from empty rooms, and cold spots even in the summer. Doors opening and closing at random without any force to them. Sounds of heavy footsteps and that of someone running can be heard on the above floors and hallways at all hours. Over the years, guests have described hearing voices and feeling and seeing a female presence and has also reported seeing a black cat that can walk through walls. My cat's black. I love black cats. I would be good with a ghost cat. In 2009, the Paranormal Investigations Group Para Patrol spent the night at the Chapman Inn. They documented what they believe could be the mysterious ghost cat moving a ping pong ball around the room and various frightening recordings. Did I mention the home is a certified haunted house? and has the certification hanging in the inn. The inn welcomes any and all guests to freely take audio or video of the activity at the inn. And thankfully, the ghosts that occupy this inn are not mean ones. The inn is located at 2 Church Street in Bethel, Maine. As I mentioned before, I spent many summers in Maine. And if you have never been to Maine, put it on your bucket list. And here are some unique things to do in Maine and some awesome hidden gems. Hadley Point Campground. Every year for about a month each summer, we would camp at Hadley's Point. Hadley's Point is on the northernmost point of the Mount Desert Island. Walking distance about 10 minutes from a public saltwater beach. Side note, the water in Maine is very cold, so if you do go in the water, be prepared to be freezing. I used to play in that water as a little kid and, like, come out purple. I swear, little kids have, like, no temperature sense. They will just get in some cold-ass fucking water like it's nothing. And I did. Not to mention this beach is covered in amazing shells, like the little snail shells everywhere. Pristine conditions, amazing shells, and it's like down the hill from the campground. Hadley Point is 
minutes away from the Acadia National Park's main entrance slash visitor center and downtown Bar Harbor. There is a public, eco-friendly, free shuttle bus that will take you to Bar Harbor and the Acadia Mountains Visitor Center, which is a drop-off point. You can hop on a connecting shuttle from there. The eco-friendly shuttle buses run from June 23rd to mid-October, and these buses are nice. You can go anywhere. You don't have to worry about driving somewhere, finding parking. Maine likes to keep everything eco-friendly, which every state should do. Because they give a shit. Why can't everybody else give a shit? I don't know. They just don't give a shit. It's bullshit. Hadley Point offers campsites, RVs, and cabins. There is a pool, shower, and bathroom areas. These showers only take quarters, so make sure you have them. I think one quarter is about seven minutes. There is also cornhole, playgrounds, a basketball court, coin-operated laundry with four washers and four dryers, a camp store that has wood, ice, souvenirs, snacks, coffee, and limited groceries. Maine stays colder than most places, so I recommend visiting in July or August. Hadley's Point Campground is located at 33 Hadley Point Road in Bar Harbor, Maine. When you are in Maine, you have to visit the Acadia Mountains. Some of the most breathtaking views, amazing hikes, carriage trails for bike riding. There's lakes, gardens, and beaches, and don't forget the wilderness. Acadia Mountain is the main reason that we always went to Maine. When I was younger, I hated it. I didn't want to be there. I was a teenager. But now, it's amazing. Acadia is one of the top 10 national parks visited, with about 3.5 million visitors each year. I would like to highlight some trails, which would be the Beehive Hiking Loop, The Beehive Trail Loop is a must-do, but if you are afraid of heights, beware there are iron ladders, rungs, and sections to cross and climb, but it has an amazing view. The loop starts at Sand Beach parking lot and then goes over to the Beehive. Please go up the way you're supposed to and not go down the way that everybody's coming up. People have done that, and that is how they slip and die. And yes, there has been deaths there. It is a national park. People do dumb shit. You're going to take the Beehive Trail until you reach Bull Pond and definitely go swimming. You will be sweaty, and it feels great after that hike. Make sure you jump over the shallow, warm water because there are leeches. And then when you come back in, just have somebody check you. Leeches aren't that big of a deal. You literally just pull them off. Don't freak out over it. It's such a cool place to go swimming. And then the trail will loop back where you can catch a shuttle bus. I also recommend the Champlain Trail, which is the second highest peak in Acadia National Park. It is labeled a strenuous hike with a five-mile loop and moderate difficulty. 
So it is not ideal for children or elderly hikers. When you reach the peak, you will be rewarded with an incredible ocean view and magnificent panoramas of the surrounding peaks. The Precipice Trail. Note, this trail is closed during certain times of the year due to the peregrine falcons. They are nesting and that is their breeding area, so they will be closed. But if you are around and it is open, this is one of my favorite trails. Did I mention that I've done like every trail in Acadia National Park at least 10 times? The Precipice Trail is a strenuous exposed trail with iron aids. It is considered the steepest and hardest trail in the National Park. It has iron rungs, wooden bridges, handrails, ladders, and iron bars that help you along the trails. But when you get to the top of it, you will see the beautiful scenery of the Champlain Mountain with impressive cliffs and stunning natural scenery. Make sure you wear sunblock and have lots of it and always pack water and snacks. And don't forget to always pick up after yourself. Don't forget to stop and munch on some blueberries. Blueberry bushes are everywhere in Maine and all over all of the trails. Fill a water bottle up. They're a really good snack. If the entry to your trail is not a designated stop, the shuttle bus will pull over for you. You just have to pull the string and alert them and they will pull over to the safest area that they can, which is great because not all of the trails are at designated spots. There are some trails that connect on the side of the road and the shuttle bus drivers are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. I could go on for hours about all the amazing trails and things to do in Acadia because there's just so much there. So I'm going to mention another couple few things just quick to let you know the names thunder hole cadillac mountain peak the jordan pond and jordan pond house restaurant jordan pond has carriage trails for biking and nice easy trails as well as a cool gift shop beach mountain the south bubble trail ocean path door mountain via the ladder trail cadillac mountain which has an amazing sunrise and you can book a sunrise viewing online. I will post a link on my Instagram at wicked underscore wanderers podcast. So you can see that the shuttle buses will take you to the top of Cadillac Mountain during the day. There is Sand Beach. Make sure you go early to get a spot. Echo Lake. Echo Lake and the Bass Harbor Head Lighthouse at Sunset. Our next stop is Bar Harbor. Bar Harbor is the definition of a picturesque coastal town. The kind you see in movies. I love Bar Harbor. And if you are there for the 4th of July, hands down, they have the best fireworks show you will ever see. And people, don't bring your dogs to fucking fireworks shows. They don't like it. They'll run away. They cause problems, not because they're an issue, because they can hear better than us, 
and that's loud noises. I cannot stand people who bring their dogs to fireworks shows. I think it's the most stupid thing, and you should question how you even are smart enough to raise a fucking animal. If you wish to stay in Bar Harbor, it is filled with boutique hotels, as well as personal and cozy bed and breakfast. Of course, it will be pricey. For you shoppers, Bar Harbor is filled with charming, locally owned shops that you can find a perfect handcrafted main item. If you love blueberries, Bar Harbor is filled with blueberry anything, and they have everything blueberry. Catch a music festival in Bar Harbor. They have music festivals between June 25th and July 30th. Eat seafood. They have fresh off-the-dock lobster. If you go early, you could score an early bird special where the lobster is at a more reasonable price. Bar Harbor is known for culinary delights like freshly caught Maine lobster, Maine blueberries, and the original whoopie pie. Eat some mussels, clam chowder, lobster bisque, lobster rolls, and blueberry pies. The restaurants I suggest are the Traveling Lobster, which has been a staple since the 1970s, serving lobsters caught daily, so go early. It is limited based on the day's catch. There is no inside dining, but you can eat outside at a picnic table or take your food to go. Business hours are 11.30 to 6.45. And they are located at 1569 ME 102 in Bar Harbor. Go to Galen's Restaurant. This is a local favorite since 1986. Galen's is a full-service restaurant offering a relaxed yet elegant atmosphere with well-prepared food. Galen's menu features fresh fish and native seafood. Salads, steaks, chicken, and vegetarian options. Don't forget to try their blueberry pie. It is delicious. They are located at 17 Main Street in Bar Harbor. There's Jeannie's Great Main Breakfast, open early for sunrise viewing of Bar Harbor, the locally owned small business that uses only the freshest ingredients and cooks everything on site, including their famous oatmeal bread, and strawberry rhubarb fruit spread. They only use locally grown Maine blueberries in their blueberry pancakes and their blueberry fruit sauce. They are located at 15 College Street in Bar Harbor. There is the Utter Haven Ice Cream Retreat, the best ice cream you can get, with over 65 flavors of super premium ice cream, frozen yogurt, sherbet, Italian ice, and soft serve, as well as non-dairy desserts. The dairy ingredients contain no growth hormones and are sourced locally from cows raised on farms in Maine. I recommend trying the black raspberry, Maine blueberry, tutti frutti, and banana almond chip flavors. They also have whoopie pies there. And they are great with listing ingredients for anybody that has any food allergies. 
And they do have options for those who do have allergies. They are open Monday through Friday from 2 p.m. to 9 and Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 9. They are located at 369 State Highway 3, Bar Harbor. When you're in Bar Harbor, pick up some amazing Native American jewelry at the Native Arts Gallery. I can spend hours in this place. I love Native American jewelry. I love turquoise. I think it's beautiful, and I love to hear the stories about it. And I just think it's a great place. Not to mention it's so spiritual in there. And their prices are pretty freaking reasonable. I have several pieces from there. The people who work there are amazing and they are helpful and knowledgeable. So definitely check this place out. It's located at 99 Main Street. And finally, check out the historic waterfront brick mansions that are located at 127 West Street in Bar Harbor. Check out the Wedding Cake House in Kennebunk, Maine. This has always been one of my favorite houses. It is a stunning yellow and white, and it almost looks like a fairy tale castle. This house was built in 1825. His father built the Federal Brick House as a wedding present for George and his new bride Jan in 1825. The icing was added 26 years later. After a fire in 1852 that destroyed the barn, a quote from the Wedding Cake House website states the following, quote, The elaborate structure has inspired many romantic tales such as a young bride and groom separated on their wedding night because the groom had to board his ship to catch the tide. The couple was not able to have their wedding reception and wedding cake. The young sailor spent his long, lonely nights at sea carving the beautiful woodwork and brought it back home as a present to his bride with icing for her cake, end quote. It actually got its name from a local businessman that was trying to show the romance of the Kennebunk area, labeling it the Wedding Cake House, for a postcard collection of beautiful homes along Summer Street. It is sometimes open to the public, but either way, drive by this place and you will be in awe with its beauty. It's the most photographed house in Maine. It is located at 105 Summer Street in Kennebunk. While you're in Kennebunk, stop by Rococo Artisan Ice Cream. This is not your typical ice cream shop. This place has some truly unique flavors that most of you have not tried before. There is goat cheese blackberry chambord, earl grey, sour cherry jam, pistachio, guava and maria cookie, and creamy coconut, apricot jam, and coca nibs. A quote from Rococo. IceCream.com states the following. Lauren continues to compose and invent flavors that expand upon global culinary trends with a desire to introduce visitors to flavor profiles from every corner of the world.
we draw our inspiration from the spice markets of North Africa to the villages in the French Alps, to the bustling barrows of South America. Rococo ice cream is made in Maine, yet inspired by travel, end quote. This place has been voted the number six ice cream place in the nation by TripAdvisor and draws people in from all over the world. You definitely have to try this. They do have regular flavors as well. It is also a small, woman-owned and operated business. It is located at 8 Western Ave in Kennebunk. Go by the one Blue Sky Mural in Bedford, Maine. The southern main town of Bedford exists a mural of a young boy wearing a red baseball cap, slouching cross-legged with a phone on his ear, which is on the wall of a former textile mill factory. The boy is engrossed in a phone call, and he is on an international call to a town over 5,000 miles across the world in Selmania, Iraq. There stands a counterpart to this mural of a young girl, an anonymous girl holding a phone to her ear. The mural is tucked away at the bottom of a sloping dead-end street behind Bedford's historic Main Street. The address is 15 York Street in Bedford, Maine. And finally, go to the Katzen Monument Woods and Water Recreation Area. Yes, during the day, this place has all sorts of things to do, like sightseeing, hiking, biking, snowboarding, snowshoeing, camping, and more. But we're not visiting this beautiful place during the day. We will be going out there at night for the dark skies. The monument and its surrounding neighbors have some of the darkest skies east of the Mississippi. Within its 87,564 acres, there are no electric lights and no commercial power sources. These dark skies means some of the most magnificent stargazing that you will ever do. This is something that can't be done in the city. When viewing the dark skies, you will be able to see the Milky Way and galaxies of billions of glittering stars brightly and clearly. The monument's night skies glimmer just as brightly as they did when the native Wabanaki people would have seen them 11,000 years ago. You may be able to see the dancing green waves of the northern lights as well. The night sky is best seen in July or August, and do not go on a full moon. They recommend to go on a new moon when the sky is the darkest. Tips when going out to go see the dark skies. Bring a blanket or chair, a telescope, or a pair of binoculars if you want a closer look. Use a headlamp or flashlight with a red light setting. It will take your eyes less time to adjust to the dark. 
download a star viewing app that helps you identify the different constellations, where to stargaze. You can experience the spectacular dark skies from almost anywhere in the monument. Try stargazing at these areas. Sand Bank Stream Campsites, Cahattan Loop Road Overlook, Haskell Hunt, Big Spring Brook Hunt, and the Big Spring Brook Hut. There are no fees to enter the park, but there is limited cellular data and there is no public Wi-Fi. Please prepare ahead of time by downloading the NPS app and offline maps of the surrounding area. Amenities are also limited, so pack snacks and pack accordingly. There will probably not be a bathroom area around you. And now it is time for our final destination. Let's get wicked. We will be going to the B-52 crash site on Elephant Mountain in Greenville, Maine. On January 24, 1963, a United States Air Force Boeing B-52C Strato Fortress was on a training mission called the Terrain Avoidance Flight. This was to practice techniques to prevent advanced capability radar ACR undetected by the Soviet air defense during the Cold War. This would be the first low-level navigation flight utilizing terrain-following radar in the eastern United States. The B-52 had nine people on its flight, and the B-52C departed west over AFB at 12.11 p.m. on Thursday, January 24, 1963, and it was scheduled to return to Westover at 5.30 p.m. I apologize for all the technical plane terms, but it is what it is. It is a military crash site, so whatever. The crew spent the first 95 minutes on the flight calibrating their equipment. At about 2.55, a few hours into the trip, after passing Brownville Junction in central Maine, the plane hit turbulence. Westover's most senior standardization instructor pilot started to climb above it. The vertical stabilizer came off and the plane made a loud noise that sounded like an explosion. Having suffered severe damage, the B-52 went into a 40-degree right turn with the nose pointed downward. The pilot gave the order to abandon the aircraft when he could no longer keep it level. There were only three ejection seats. Why don't we put enough ejection seats in planes? Why is there only three? Is this like the Titanic? Hey, we got a fuck ton of people, only a few lifeboats, you know. Don't let go, Jack. But she fucking did. I just don't get it. The ejection seats were for the pilot, co-pilot, and the electronic warfare officer. So basically, the other six people were pretty much fucked. They did have parachutes, 
and could either jump out of the navigator's hatch after the navigators ejected or drop out of the aircraft's door. The tail gunner had its own unique escape option. He could sever the tail and jump out of the hole in the rear. The operating electronic warfare officer ejected first. He was followed by the pilot and co-pilot. And there was either not enough altitude or time for the six lower deck crew members to escape before the plane crashed into the west side of Elephant Mountain at about 2.52 p.m. Imagine going down in a plane knowing that you cannot get out and that you're just going to die. I just hope that it went very quick for them. And not to mention, this was just a training session. Nobody expects to go down when they're just training. The co-pilot, Major Robert J. Morrison, died when he hit a tree while parachuting. He was about one mile away from the main crash site. The pilot landed in a tree 30 feet above the ground. He survived the night with temperatures reaching almost negative 30 in his survival kit sleeping bag atop of his raft. The navigator, Captain Gerald J. Alder, his parachute did not deploy upon ejection. I would lose my shit if that happened to me. Just imagine going down and your parachutes don't work. Oh my god. I would have so much anxiety. I would probably die from an anxiety attack. He hit the snow-covered ground before separating from his ejection seat about 2,000 feet from the wreckage. His impact was estimated at 16 times the force of gravity. He suffered a fractured skull and three broken ribs. The force bent his ejection seat, and he could not get his survival kit. He survived the night by wrapping himself in his parachute. I would have froze to death. I would have been dead. That's it. Like, oh well, she died. She tried, but she died. Lieutenant Colonel Joe R. Simpson, Jr. Major William W. Gabriel. Major Robert J. Hill, Jr. Captain Herbert L. Hansen. And Captain Charles G. Lutcher and Technical Sergeant Michael F. O'Keefe were all killed. When the plane crashed, the guys got pretty lucky. A greater operator saw the plane having issues in the black smoke, and if it wasn't for him seeing this, they may not have survived. Get this shit, pun intended. The Scott Paper Company dispatched plows from Greenville to clear 10 miles and the rescuers had to use snowshoes, dog sleds, and snowmobiles to cover the remaining mile to the crash site area. At 11 a.m., the two survivors were airlifted to the hospital by a helicopter. The pilot returned to active duty after spending three months in the hospital, and the navigator, whose feet were frostbitten, contracted double pneumonia and became unconscious for five days and his leg had to be amputated because of frostbite and gangrene had set in. The plane exploded on impact 
into a thousand pieces that were spread over a half a mile area. Supposedly, each piece of the plane, after being removed for investigation from the wreckage, was returned to its exact location. At the end of a tree-lined road lay the remnants of this B-52, the eternal gravesite of six people who lost their lives. The crash site is only 15 minutes from the town of Greenville. To get there, you'll start in Greenville and then drive north on Lily Bay Road for about seven miles. These are back roads that are unpaved. Make sure you have an appropriate vehicle. Then make a right onto Prong Pond Road. Less than two miles from here, you will veer and you will stay straight. About four miles from here, You'll stay right at the fork in the road. You'll reach a small parking lot on the left, just over five miles. This is where the trail begins. There are small place cards that are at every fork and junction that makes this place easy to find. Within the first 20 steps, you will find the first fragments of twisted debris. As you make your way down the footpath, there are torn and shredded bits of metal in every direction, tangled in the branches of the trees, and and around and under the forest. You will eventually come to the main wreckage site that has the biggest portion, and you can wander along the trail and see more of this wreckage. There are areas where nature has reclaimed the site, and the magnitude of this tragedy begins to set in. The Black Monson Slate, that is a memorial for the seven men who lost their lives, lays beside the striped, broken-off fuselage. While navigating through the slender pines, be respectful because you are on sacred ground. Maine is a truly remarkable place. And this crash site is just tucked away in nature's beauty. And this concludes my episode of Wicked Wanderers. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, wander more and stay wicked. Bye! Thank you so much for listening to Wicked Wanderers. If you could leave, especially on Apple Music and Spotify, I would truly appreciate this, and this helps others find my podcast. I do write, edit, and produce this podcast all by myself. If you wish to donate to the cause, please visit patreon.com slash wickedwanderers. There is a monthly subscription with a bonus episode, or you could just donate to the cause. Links to some of the sites where I found my information are located in the show notes. This is something that I do for fun. I do have a full-time job. This is why it's every two weeks, because work's been crazy. You can send me an email if you have been to any places or if you've just been somewhere cool or just did something fun. I'd love to hear about it. So thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.